Thank you, Dodsworth Trio. That was beautiful this morning. Amen. I don't know that I've ever been disappointed any time we've ever had a special around here, but every once in a while I just realize how spoiled we are. There's some churches, they don't even have special music. There's other churches that they have the same people have to sing every single week, and that doesn't a problem for them, but except for the people that have to sing every week. We pastored a place one time, we had the same two ladies sing morning and night every single Sunday pretty well. And they did a great job, we enjoyed it, but um, God has really blessed us as a church, really has. And I hope we don't take it for granted. If you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. I know probably none of you know this or remember this, but last week we preached from 1 Samuel chapter 8. And uh, maybe you think we're backsliding here. We're not. When the Lord led me to 1 Samuel chapter 7, I thought, you know, people are going to think that I'm in 1 Samuel in my devotions, and this is what's happening. I'm not actually in 1 Samuel in my devotions. Uh, Lord, just for whatever reason, two Sundays in a row has led me to, uh, to 1 Samuel. And uh, that's all right. We'll do whatever the Lord says. But I uh, just thought it, thought it interesting. The Lord had us preach from 1 Samuel 8, and then this week, 1 Samuel 7. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. First Samuel chapter 7, we'll begin reading in verse 1. And the man of Kerjath, Jerem, came, fetched up the ark of the Lord, and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill, and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kareth Jerem, the, the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Asheroth from among you. And prepare your heart unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Baliam and Asheroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered to Mizpah, and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. And Samuel cried unto the Lord and Israel of Israel, uh, for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. 
But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto beth Car. And Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even to Gath, and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. I'd like to lift... Just one word for a text this morning. Hitherto. Hitherto. Father, we ask that you would come and meet with us. You know all about each one of us, what we've brought with us, our battles, our concerns, our situations. You know about those things that would distract us. You know about this cold that we have this morning. You know about our limitations. And we place them at your feet asking, Lord, that you would do what only you can do, filling up broken, empty vessels with yourself and giving value to that which would have no value. We just ask that you would touch and help us one more time to rightly divide the word of truth and that you'd be glorified and honored in it. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Memorial Day is, a, is not a, a holiday that gets much attention in the church. Because it's a secular holiday, it doesn't really have anything to do with Christianity. Really, Memorial Day is a, is a day that, that we focus on those who sacrifice themselves for our political freedoms. And, and uh, I think it's good and right for us to, to celebrate that. But it really doesn't have anything to do with being a Christian. However, one of the things that, that strikes me about Memorial Day is it's a call for us to remember the sacrifices of others. And throughout Scripture, we find that God is calling us to remember. Over and over, He says, remember your Creator in the days of your youth, and uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember Lot's wife. Over and over, you'll find the, the ver, uh, 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 within uh, the verses of God's Word a call to remember. And the reason that we have to be reminded to remember is because we're really good forgetters. Every one of us are really good at forgetting. And some of you older ones tell me that you get better and better at forgetting with age. That, that as you get older, you're better than we young ones at forgetting. And uh, so we all, all of us younger ones have that to look forward to, that we're going to be better forgetters in days to come. But the problem with forgetting is that sometimes what we've forgotten is important. I mean, we can forget some things and it doesn't really matter. You might not remember what your first car was. Doesn't really matter. You might not remember your first grade teacher's name. Doesn't really matter. But if you forget your wedding anniversary, Brother Asmussen, you're in trouble. <laughs> 
There's some things that are really important. There's some things that God call, uh, God says to us, you've got to remember these things because if you don't remember them, we can get ourselves into trouble. And not just with our wives, which hopefully she'll forgive us, eventually. But get us in trouble with the Lord. Get us in trouble with our, uh, with our own spiritual uh, situation. We may not be as on fires for God if we forget some things. And so we have a, a story here in Scripture that I guess without context, maybe we might have, uh, have a little trouble understanding it. Israel has gone after false gods again. Seems to be the story of the Old Testament. This constant cycle of serving God. God delivers them and does some great things for them. And, and then pretty soon they're serving the false gods of the people around them. And, and then things get miserable. God doesn't bless them and God doesn't protect them. And, and they're uh, abused by uh, their neighbors. And so, they're, uh, so then they cry out to God. And so God answers them and gives them victory. And around and around and around in this cycle. And honestly, sometimes when you read it, you feel like, did I read this already once? Part of the problem is, is we're just not good rememberers. We just don't do a very good job remembering. The children of Israel kept having this problem of remembering. And here they are as a nation. They have gone after false gods. And they have, the Philistines have been raised up against them. And God has used them to remind Israel that God is the only God to serve. And so here the, here the Philistines come and, and Israel says, you know, uh, uh, we know how to solve this problem. And uh, they got Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to, to go and, and bring the Ark of the Covenant. And if they bring God's presence along, they'll win. They'd already lost the battle, lost 4,000 men. They, but now they're sure to win because they've brought the Ark of the Covenant. They've got God's presence with them. And instead of losing 4,000 men, they lose 30,000 men, and they lose the Ark of the Covenant. God's teaching them a very important lesson. That God's presence is not a good luck charm. That the symbols of our faith, the cross, and uh, especially the cross, but, but any of the, our symbols of our faith, they're not good luck charms. Our, our symbols are important. I, I, I don't agree with those that say that, the, that, the, that we shouldn't have any symbols of our faith. I, I believe we need symbols of our faith to remind us, to help us to reflect on what those symbols represent. But there's a big difference between having a symbol that reminds us of, of what they represent and worshiping the symbol. And they had made a God out of the Ark of the Covenant. And they thought if, if God's uh, ark was there, that God himself would protect them. And God didn't do that. Hophni and Phinehas were killed. Eli's daughter-in-law is giving birth. About ready to die. Calls her son Ichabod. Glory of God's departed. 
they're in bad shape. And the Philistines have the Ark of the Covenant. They're one symbol of the presence of God. God's presence has left Israel. Philistines have a great treasure. Great, great booty from war. Great, a, a, a great spoil. But God doesn't allow the Philistines to have his ark. And he brings upon them a plague of tumors and people are dying and they're going from city to city. Finally, finally Philistines say, we don't want this and they, they send it home. They even send an offering. If I remember correctly, golden tumors and golden rats. What a, what a lovely... What a lovely offer. I guess the gold's nice. I probably would melt it down and use it for something else. I don't think I would want any golden tumors or rats around my house. You know, put that on the mantle. Wouldn't that be lovely, ladies? You might be thankful for your husband's deer head instead. <laughs> the ark is back, but God's presence isn't back. And they know it. Scripture says the people lamented for the Lord. We have the ark back, but God's presence is gone. The glory's departed. And Scripture tells us for 20 years they have the ark, but no glory. Folks, I don't, I don't want to go 20 days without the glory of the Lord. And to be honest, if we had a, a full appreciation, a full understanding, I think, uh, I think really we wouldn't want to go 20 seconds without the Holy Spirit and the glory of God in our lives. I don't think any one of us, if, if just for 20 seconds, the Holy Spirit would just completely depart from us. I think we, 20 seconds would be an awful long time. But for 20 years, the glory is gone. In 20 years... People are lamenting. Why, are, why is the ark there but not the glory? Scriptures tell us they still have their false gods. They're still... See, they, they want God, but they want their false gods too. They want their idols and they want God. They, they want... They want the pleasure of sin, but they also want the blessings of God. And they can't choose between the two. For 20 years, they're trying to walk hand in hand with Baal and Asheroth on one hand and Jehovah on the other. And we, we think, how foolish can you be? But how often, how often do we do the same thing? We want the pleasures of this world. We want to be respectable. We want to, we want to be liked. We've got to make a living. We've got all these excuses for why we're not doing what God wants us to do. The people are lamenting finally. Samuel says, all right, let's get out of there to Mizpah. I think it's interesting, some of these names of the towns. It makes good sense to go to Mizpah. It means the Lord watches. If you're going to go to, if you're going to try to get God's attention, go to the city that means God's watching. <laughs> go to the, 
go where God's going to see us. They gather at Mizpah and the people, the people want God. And they're so desperate finally for God that when Samuel says, you've got to take care of your idols, they're willing to do it. And they begin, they begin to call upon the Lord and the Philistines hear of it and they believe that Israel's revolting. Israel no uh, is, is, is setting up an army so that they can free themselves from the Philistines. So the Philistines gather and they're going to have war and they're going to have battle. And we're going to put down this revolt. And the F Israelites weren't there for revolting. They were there to call on God. I don't know if they brought their weapons with them, but that's a kind of a terrifying thing. You're trying to have revival and the army shows up. And in all of this, Samuel sets up a stone, an Ebenezer. We get to sing about it every time we sing, Come Thou Found. I think we did last Sunday, if I remember correctly. We get to sing about, Here I Raise My Ebenezer. And I think it's a sad thing that some don't know what that means. It's a, a stone of help. It's a symbol. It's a reminder. And Samuel says, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto, the Lord has helped us. What is that word, hitherto? How does that help us this morning? Well, hitherto reminds us of our past. Hitherto. I think a more modern terminology, something more of your modern translations would uh, translate it thus far. Thus far. Up to this point. It references the past. Hitherto, up to this point, thus far, God has helped us. We have to remember the past. It's so important for us to remember the past. And you know what we like to do when we think of the past? Is we like to think of the positive, don't we? I loved, I loved that the Christmas gathering with the older people because they, they reminisced. Was that the right word, Brother Vaughn? I believe that was the key word. They did reminiscing. And you know, we talked about the positive things for the most part, except for when you got to the medicine. Still can't get over giving kids kerosene. Just cannot get over that. I mean, there's a way to set them on fire and get them. <laughs> Anyhow... We talked about the positives, the, the wisdom of our parents, and, and we talked about uh, some of the uh, uh, programs that, on the radio that they lit, used to listen to, and all these positive things. And it's wonderful to reminisce on how God has helped us in the past. It's so important that we do that, because it gives us strength, and it gives us help. But the Scripture tells us that we need to remember also our sins and transgressions and our follies. Why would we do that? Why would we remember the past of sin? Why would we, why would we take time to do that? Well, the, the first reason that I think that we ought to remember that our past sins is, is to, to think about, are there any sins that I need to repent of? 
For the children of Israel, they had to think back and realize that we have, have this problem of habitually going over and over to these false gods of Baal and Ashroth. Over and over we keep doing this. You and I don't understand that. You and I have, have a lot of difficulty understanding why would you trade God for, for uh, Baal and Ashroth? But when you get into understanding the, how they worship those gods, the only way that I can say this in, 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 in mixed company and that I can make it even uh, acceptable is to say that it was all it was was, was living pornography. It's how they lived. It was, it was debauchery. It was wickedness. It wasn't this that they were bowing down to idols made of stone or, or even gold, but they were engaging in horrific sexual sin. And it drew them in by its perversion and the power of, that, of perverted sin. And so it's, they had this struggle. Our perversion or purity. They kept going back to it over and over. And they needed to be reminded that they needed to be asking God for forgiveness for this sin. They needed to say, God, I, we, we need, we, we, we're, we've done wrong. We need, we've got, we, we need to change this. Another reason we've got to remember our sins is they point out our weak spots. The areas that you were tempted in and, and fell in are the, probably the very similar areas that Satan's going to try to trip you up still. I remember this, hearing the story of, of a man who had, God had gloriously delivered from alcohol. And I love those stories when God just delivers people. I wish all of us would just get that deliverance. I wish, you know, that I wouldn't have to spend time working with people that, that are trying to serve God and fighting addictions. I wish God would deliver every single one of them. But he doesn't always do that. But this man had been delivered right from the moment that he had, that he had uh, been saved. He, he had no longing, no desire for alcohol. God had changed him. He was doing wonderful. Of course... Satan got up on his shoulder and said, are you really delivered? He said, yes, God has completely delivered me. I don't have any desire to drink any alcohol. Satan whispered in his ear, then you shouldn't have any problem going into your old bar and just having a seat at the, at the counter because you won't even be tempted by any alcohol if you're really delivered. And do you know that man decided that he was going to show the old devil what's what? And he went in there, but he staggered out. What happened? Well, one, he gave place to the devil. Never have a conversation with Satan. Satan has nothing good to say. I used, I used to have conversations with the devil, tell him no, tell him not interested, he's a liar and all that. And then all of a sudden, I re, so one day I just realized, you know, I don't have to even talk to that guy. I can just go and talk to my big brother. I can talk to Jesus and say, go beat him up for me, please. I don't even have to talk to him. And do you know what? If I don't talk to him, I don't have to listen to his nonsense. Because he's a liar and the father of all lies. 
But that man decided that he was going to put his, his uh, deliverance to the test and found that he, he found that he gave too much place to the enemy. We have to be careful of our weak places. And remembering where Satan has tripped us up in the past shows us where we must be vigilant and careful today. I would also suggest to us that, that remembering our past failures ought to humble us when working with those that are coming behind us. You know, I think the worst sin for a child of God to fall into is spiritual pride. I mean, I know there's some other horrible sins, and I know others can bring real disappointment, and I understand that. But spiritual pride is just so destructive and so disgusting. Well, look at where I am. Look at where God has led me. And, oh, you're, you're behind me spiritually? Well, one day you'll be as good as me. Please. Could you imagine if Jesus would have walked on this earth and it would have acted like that? Because none of us were caught up with him. Folks, when we look back at our past, it ought to humble us. And it ought to help us to, when someone's falling and faltering and, and struggling over and over and over, it ought to remind us of when we were struggling and when we maybe weren't doing as well spiritually as what we should have been doing. And it ought to humble us and it, may, it ought to make it where we're praying for them and not saying, God, I thank you that I'm not floundering like that guy. It ought to humble us. You know, when we, we think of the sins of this world and think of, uh, you know, and we're so repulsed by, by just the going after sin and, 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 and it's heartbreaking and it's, and, and it's discouraging when, when we see another uh, 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 perversion that's accepted in society. And yet, where would we be if God hadn't reached us? We'd probably be doing those same exact things. You say, I wouldn't have done that. My parents taught me better than that. You know, it's the ones that were taught better that seem to go the furthest. Oh, that God would give us a spirit of humility as we remember that God has had to help us and hold our hand to get us to the place we are today. How many times did we go back to our own bales and asheros? How many times did we stumble? If we were writing a, a, a book of the Bible on your life, what parts would you hope God would leave out? Oh, that God would keep us humble and keep us loving and compassionate and that we would never feel superior over a sinner or a convert that's behind us spiritually. Hitherto the Lord has helped us. He's had to hold my hand to the place I am today. And I know this, he's going to have to hold my hand all the way home. Because if he would let go for a moment. You know, I like, I like that poem, Footprints in the Sand. It's often been referred to. Talking about the two footprints and then 
Of course, the times that there was only one foot step, a set of footprints where, where the Lord carried him. But you know, I, I kind of sometimes think that it's not quite accurate. If I'm just going to be completely honest with you this morning, I think all the way you just find one set of footprints because I think even on my best days, the Lord's had to carry me. Of course, if you get to the very, some days you might actually find instead of footprints, you might find this deep groove in the sand where God's dragged me, kicking and screaming. But I thank God for those times he's dragged me and carried me. Because I can't make it one step without him. Thankful that he has held us and held my hand Hitherto, the Lord has helped me to get to the place I am today. Helps us to remember the past. Hitherto. But it, hitherto also reminds us of the present. Hitherto, thus far, up to this point, it reminds us of the present, doesn't it? It's, uh, this is the day where we're setting up our Ebenezer. This is the moment. And we're saying this is the place where God has helped us to this point, all the way up to the present. What's going on? Here they are. They're, they're gathered together. They're trying to have revival. They're trying to call on God. And the Philistines are here. And, and they're going to lose. They're not armed with the kind, same kind of weaponry as the Philistines. They don't have the, the same skills in battle. These, these are shepherds and they're warriors. They're not going to win. They, they came here to do business with God. They, they're not, they're, I mean, they may have their pitchforks or something, but they don't really have anything to go to battle with. And they're going to lose. And do you know, I think it's helpful to remember that sometimes in the battles that we're in, that if it weren't for the Lord, we'd lose. And I love how the scripture paints the present and how to deal with the battle. The first thing that happens, Samuel sacrifices a lamb and the blood of the lamb. And the first key to victory in any battle is the blood of the lamb. You remember when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. It starts with the blood. And before, they could, before anything else could happen, before they could ever hope for victory, before they could even have revival, there needed to be a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, that would somehow make an intercession for us. Did the children of Israel deserve to be delivered from the Philistines? Oh no. Their sins, their sins deserved judgment. Do we deserve God's deliverance? No. No. But that's what mercy and grace are all about. It's when we don't deserve them that God in his goodness gives them to us anyways. People cried out to Samuel and they said, Samuel, don't stop praying for us. I think that's the next thing is we need the prayer of the saints. You know, I, I know that people can get saved anywhere, 
But I, I still believe that the altar is the best place to get saved. It's the pl best place to get sanctified. I know you can get saved in your car and at, by your bed and all those places, and that's wonderful. But I, I love for, uh, to have the saints of God gather together and doing battle with the enemy on our behalf. I just, I just think there's something special about having the family of God surrounding you in prayer. I guess anywhere you get saved is the best place. But I just, there's just something special about being prayed for by the saints of God. You know what concerns me? Is after salvation and sanctification, we kind of think that that's over. And I don't know why we've got that in our heads. You know, I, I think some of the, I, I think that one of the reasons that some of us are fighting the same battles over and over and over and over again is that we just won't come to an altar and just say, you know, I need to make a confession. This one place I keep struggling in. Doesn't even have to be sin, folks. <coughs> Samuel, don't stop praying for us. What a wonderful thing to be able to say, Brother Bob, don't stop praying for me. Going through a hard time right now. Really struggling. I want to stay true. Don't stop praying for me. Don't stop. I'm really needing your prayers right now. You know, Brother Doyle, I'm... What I'm going through right now, I just can't make it on my own. I need God's help. Don't stop praying for me. I don't know where we got this idea that we, we can make it to heaven all by ourselves. Just us and God. Folks, that is not how it is. If that were true, God wouldn't have made a priority of the church. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves one with another. Don't see. We can all get online. There's better preachers online than me. But we don't do that because we need each other to make it. We need the accountability. We need the support. We need the prayers. Oh, that God would bless us with a spirit of reliance on our family of God. Oh, that God would give us a revival of that. Just be able to say, Brother Rasmussen, just need you right now to pray. I love how they said that. Don't stop praying for Samuel. The enemy's here. It's strong. We're going to lose. Don't stop praying. We have confidence in your prayers. And finally, it was the word of God. Scripture says, and the Lord answered him. Folks, we need the word of God if we're going to be victorious. When... When Satan was tempting our Lord, Jesus didn't just spout Proverbs and, and uh, Confucius and other, uh, you know, the big writers of the day. 
He didn't go and get a self-help book. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with a self-help book if you need one. But he went to the Word of God. He says, is it not written? If we're going to be victorious in the present day, we are going to have to rely on the Word of God. Oh, that God would help us to be people of the book. People of the book. Hitherto reminds us of the past. Reminds us of the present. But I would suggest that it revitalizes our future. David standing before Saul. David says, I'm going to go fight that giant. Tired of him cussing out God's people and cussing God's name. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of that giant. Saul says, you're a youth. You can't fight him. You're a kid. What are you going to do? You know what David said? He said, you know what? I fought a bear and a lion when they've come after my sheep. And God's given me the victory then. And I have confidence that the same God who gave me victory in the past, hitherto the Lord hath helped us, is the same God who's going to give me victory in the future. Look, I don't know the battles of tomorrow. I don't know the, the conflicts that we're going to face. I don't know the temptations. I don't know what, what the new thing that Satan's going to, to put out. I don't know what, what is going to be tempted to be brought in within our own movement as, as I'm afraid that as a movement we've made a gradual slide back in some areas, some keen areas. I'm not sure what, where the next attack is coming from. I don't know where the next battle is coming from. I don't know tomorrow's Goliath. But I can remember yesterday's bear and lion. How many times in the Psalms David is in facing battles? My enemies have surrounded me. How many times has David complained to the Lord about how his enemies are all around him? But he always says, but you've given me victory in the past. David has made a habit, a lifelong habit, of when he feels like today is hopeless, that he's gone back to the past and remembered the God who delivered him from those impossible situations would be the God who would deliver him from today's impossible situations. And, will and whatever we face tomorrow, and no matter how impossible tomorrow's task is, God will give us victory if we'll keep relying on him and keep doing just exactly what we do in the present. What was that? It was the blood of the Lamb. It was the prayer of the saints. It was the Word of God. And if we'll keep relying on God and not trust in the arm of flesh, no matter what Satan cooks up for tomorrow, our God is able to give us victory. Hitherto the Lord has helped us. In the past, and the present, and it's a sure thing for the future. Hitherto. Hitherto. Tomorrow, as we remember, as we remember our soldiers that have given their lives for our country, let us be reminded that our God still gives victory to his people. Let us raise an Ebenezer. Let's stand together.